Welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston, and in a few minutes, we're going to have our guest of the week. And I will tell you right now that while I will, I will be wearing the same pullover when I do that interview, I'm in a totally different place as I record this than where I was when I recorded that interview. That is because I did the interview before I left for the annual meeting of the Transportation Intermediaries Association, which is a gathering of the nation's brokers. It's here in Orlando. I'll be writing articles for it that you can see on Freightways.com. That interview I referred to this week was with Risha Mercha. Risha, I'm sorry, Rishi Merha. He's with Trimble, and they've got a new tool out to measure dwell time in their transportation management system. Dwell time is, of course, a totally unproductive use of the driver's day. He's going to be here to talk about dwell time in general and how it's going to get measured in their system. But first, let's acknowledge what we do at the start of every show every week. And that is that we kick off drilling deep by talking about oil and we talk about diesel and you can't get diesel unless you have oil and you can't get oil unless you drill for it. So we call the show Drilling Deep. In the diesel market over the past few years, diesel buyers have encountered a few things. One, they encountered a drop in prices at the past the pandemic hit. But in the case of retail diesel, it never really fell all that far, especially compared to crude and gasoline. The price of diesel right before the pandemic was a bit over $3 a gallon, but it never fell to much more than $240, despite the price of crude and gasoline collapsing a lot more as measured in percentage. Part of it was that while demand for gasoline absolutely craters as people stayed home, that didn't happen with diesel because people were still demanding goods and trucks had to move. The spread of diesel to gasoline at the retail level entered the pandemic with diesel about 55 to 60 cents more than gasoline. But as the overall price of oil dropped, the spread dropped with it. At one point, the premium of diesel to gasoline in 2020 got down to about 35 cents. But then we swung into 2022, and that spread started to rise. It rose by a lot. According to EIA data, at the start of 2022, diesel was about 47 cents more than gasoline. By the end of March, that spread was over a dollar. For a couple of weeks in early May, it got near a dollar fifty. On Halloween, it was a very scary one dollar and seventy-five cents more than gasoline. These were absolutely unprecedented numbers. Why? The obvious reason would be the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the attempts of the world to not buy as much as Rus- uh, as much by as to not buy as much as Russian crude and diesel as they did before. Russia is a major supplier of diesel, and as various countries and companies embargoed Russian oil, by all accounts, Russian oil supplies are back to normal, though they are going to different places in the world, and the net back to Russia is lower because it is eating significantly higher freight charges. The other reason for the surge, as we've discussed before, is IMO 2020. That is the rule of the International Maritime Organization, that required lower sulfur content in marine fuel starting in 2020. The path to get that lower fuel content or that lower sulfur content was the production of a new type of marine fuel that used an intermediate product that's usually used to make diesel and instead would use it to make to make this marine fuel. That was going to tighten up the market for diesel, but then the pandemic hit and the world had plenty of supply of everything. So diesel didn't get that big kick. But by 2022, with the marine fuel market surging, that spread began to be a driver of retail diesel prices, and in particular, 
it's spread against gasoline. But those two factors now easing up, easing the pressure on diesel prices, that spread at the pump that drivers looked at for so long with puzzlement has rapidly narrowed. In the latest weekly EIA report, the spread between the national average of ultra-low sulfur diesel and conventional gasoline was down to 56.3 cents. At the end of February, that's not even two months ago, it was over a dollar. It dropped 16 cents in just the last two weeks. Outside of the price, what does that mean? There is one area of concern I have. Inventories of diesel still remain tight in the U.S. compared to historic norms. The winter is a ways away, but we'd have a lot of ground to make up in terms of laying in stocks. And if refiners see that gasoline is the more profitable product to make, they will likely dial back their diesel production as much as they can, you can't eliminate it, and shift it over to gasoline output. We're going to be closely watching the figures on gasoline output relative to diesel output. Those numbers are published each week by the Energy Information Administration. It may be spring and summer, and while it's maybe spring and summer is not far away, but when it comes to inventories, it's time to keep an eye out on supplies for the harvest season and after that winter. That weakness in diesel you see in the price difference between diesel and gasoline at your local service station or your local truck stop may be getting back to normal, but it also may be creating some problems for the cooler days to come. Going to move on here now on Drilling Deep. It is a giant waste of time, dwell time. It's the amount of time a truck or a train stays at a shipper or a customer or some sort of center offloading or trying to load their truck. It costs everybody money, and the industry always says they're going to do something about it, and it rarely happens. When the market is really strong, shippers have been known to clean up their act so that they will be more favored among the carriers who are in high demand, but the market can be so crazy that the dwell time rises anyway. When things are lousy, the shippers once again have the upper hand, and there's no improvement or follow-through from earlier declarations that things will get better. But how do we measure dwell time? Trimble is a provider of one of the leading transportation management systems in the business, and they've recently introduced a new capability into its Connected Locations product. And here to talk about it with us is Rishi Mera. He's the Vice President of Product Vision and Experience at Trimble. So Rishi, welcome to Drilling Deep. Hi, John. Excited to be here. So why don't you start by talking first about the basics, uh, the basic platform, which is called Connected Locations, and uh, what has been added to it? Well, Trimble's vision of the industry platform for transportation is providing services and solutions which help across the supply chain. And connected locations is one such thing where within the Trimble transportation ecosystem, we manage to use our GIS resources. We have coded close to 4.7 million different commercial locations and 2.7 million precise polygons, not circular geofences. So those form the foundation of our connected locations platform. And that addresses multiple issues in the industry. I know you touched upon the dwell time, but just the standardization of what does Walmart and Bentonville make, which location are we referencing? The master data management of it also gets addressed by having the right location identification across the industry so that we can all use the same short code and we can transact business using that same short code. Just like the way we have the PC miler mileage, the location ID can become a standard. Now, what we have done in the connected locations platform, because this is just one data element. And for us to connect pieces together, 
our aim is taking the data element of location information, location and site, we've combined telemetry feeds from tractors and also from trailers and identified how much time is being spent at each facility. We have anonymized those feeds and aggregated it across the industry to be able to deliver time spent by day of week and hour of day so that we know if you enter a facility at 8 a.m. on a Monday, how long is your turnaround time? That is what is one of the outcomes of the Connected Locations platform. Now, has this been, has this been available elsewhere before, or do you really feel like this is a breakthrough on the part of Trimble that's really unprecedented? I, I would love to say it's a breakthrough on part of Trimble because till now there is no standard for location. Everyone thinks about going to Google Maps and say, if I need to find the Starbucks location or if I need to find where the closest McDonald's is, you can search it on Google. But if you really want one unique way of re referencing a location, that is what Trimble's come out from a industry standard perspective to build out that unique location. And then using that location to do dwell site is what some, no one else, at least as far as we are aware, has done it in the industry. All right, so how are you defining dwell time? Let's say a carrier pulls into a ship or pulls into a distribution center or a retail outlet. When does dwell time commence? I mean, this is not necessarily something that everybody agrees upon. Uh, there's always going to be some time spent within the confines of that distribution center or that retail outlet. You know, the question is, when does it become excessive? So let's say I'm driving a truck. I pull into a DC. When does the Trimble system start measuring my dwell time? So what we have done is we have automated the process. So the first thing for having everyone agree to a common definition is to remove any manual input to it, right? Today, there is no consistent method because drivers are asked to check in. They're asked to say, have you arrived or have you left? And that brings up a lot of friction between the carriers and the shipper. So what we have done is we take the GPS positions, and these are not GPS positions which get sent every 15 minutes on some old providers to one minute or one second, we take it on the device. We use it to identify when that geofence has been broken inside the gate. So Trimble has built up gate locations for these facilities. So we know where you have, where you, when the truck has entered that facility through the gate, that is a break of the geofence on entry. We trigger that as your entry time. And then when the tractor goes out from the guard shack, out of the gate, that is triggered as the exit time. At this point, we use the entry and exit into that facility as the trigger for computing the time spent at facility. Now, it can be broken up into if your appointment was at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and you reached there at 12.30, we do count that 30 minutes extra that you were there beforehand. But in true definition, the time should begin at 1. And when we combine not just the GPS telemetry data, but we get the appointment windows coming in from the carriers and the shippers, that will refine this process further, and the accuracy of the dwell time will start increasing. Right, so dwell time includes everything. I mean, you, you start to think of dwell time, and you think of it all as being unproductive. But the, the time that somebody is, is at the distribution center offloading their truck, that's obviously you know, legitimate productive time. That would be in the dwell time as well. But ultimately, if you've got somebody who gets stuck there for hours, uh, that's, that's really going to show up. I'm not trying to say that the... It, even though some of the time is productive, this, the, the data is still extremely valuable. It, it, it sounds to me like it ends when you exit the geofencing. That is correct. When you exit the geofence is when it ends. And your very right observation on the time spent on loading and loading is also to be counted. It's productive work, right? The most important thing we can do is highlight the total time spent, combine it with 
on duty time of the driver so that we are giving a much more accurate information from how much time is spent at the facility and ensure a faster turnaround. Because we keep talking about how much driver shortage is there, how people are not driving enough or utilizing their entire drive time during the day, which can help alleviate a lot of the time spent on road and delays and freight movement. If you're able to fix that by giving insights into time spent at facility, that is a big plus and a big win. But does it also help in when 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 a, a driver gets paid for dwell time when they're stuck there? Um, you've got a, a, a data digital record now of how much dwell time there is. So it seems to me that there's a value in that as well. Definitely, we've heard from lots of fleets which say the drivers manually have to keep track of time. But now with this, it's an independent source which just takes the GPS positions when the driver is in there, and it automatically can generate a trip sheet for the driver saying this is the time spent at each facility during your 24-hour period. Is this is this part is this part of the basic system for your customers or is this a, an add-on that costs extra? So it is available through a service. Our locations platform itself, access to the polygons is available if you're licensed to any one of our platform capabilities. The dwell time computation piece is a separately licensable component as a part of the connected locations workflow. Okay, and so talk about the history of this. Like, where did it come from? Obviously, as you've spelled out, this couldn't have happened if you didn't have all these millions of data points um, with very, very, very tight geospatial information. So what was the process by which somebody said, hey, let's use this to, to measure dwell time? I'm quite sure with all this data, this location data, this isn't the only thing you're doing. This is obviously one of them. You wanted to, to publicize it. Uh, but uh, what, what was the process by how you came to this this offering? I think the process first started, we have had a view of helping overall in the movement of freight. And when we were talking to drivers who are the biggest component in freight movement, they were identifying various issues for us. One is a unique definition of the location. The next was telling them at that location itself, where is their truck-specific entrance? Because a lot of times you would get information around where to where the employees go for the warehouse or for the facility. Those car parking locations are very different. And if you miss a turn and you're at the wrong road, it can be an onerous drive and the largest cause for accidents in that final mile where drivers have to turn around or take a different route and come back to the truck entrance. So it started a few years back right around the notion of we want to standardize the location information. We want to help the drivers know where they're headed, how they're supposed to get there and guide them to the right piece of in right trunk gate using our navigation solution. That then evolved into as we as the whole electronic logging mandate came around about, our customers started telling us drivers don't know where to stop. They're stopping too early. Now if you combine the location data and GPS telemetry, we also have not only coded the shipper facilities and the warehouses, but we also have the truck stops and the rest areas and the way stations coded. So if you combine and aggregate all the information across the industry, you can give a true predictor of how many parking spots are available. And then if you use our platform, we can tell you what is the likelihood of you making, getting to that location. So that was the first instance when we said, we need to find out how many parking spots are available. How do we get there? But as you know, there are parking spots which are marked, and then there are unmarked parking spots. As we were going through that journey, a lot of our carrier customers started approaching us to challenge us with saying, can you also help us with turnaround times at facilities? Tell us where our drivers are stopping. And that brought about the building of the geofencing service through which now we also compute 
the average dwell time at each location. Now, a customer who's using it, what kind of format do they get? Do they get like a, a a monthly report, a weekly report that says, you know, the average truck had this much dwell time uh, at this location, or maybe you could have the report like on a truck by truck basis. You know, that could also show maybe that's just some drivers who aren't really efficient and organized at the distribution center. It's not all on the all on the customer. So how many different kind of ways can you use this data? So in a fully anonymized aggregated way, the first data point we give is at the facility, the average dwell time across all the fleet. Then we break it down into all the fleet of your, all the drivers from your own fleet for carrier A. If you have 10 drivers who visit the facility, what is their average at that facility? And then on a per driver level, you could look up what their average has been. And in the site, the average, you could look it up on a per day basis, on a weekly basis, or a monthly basis. So all of these reports are driven through APIs and also through a visual component, which carriers can have access to. And very good point where you brought up is, it's not all on the customers. It's not all on the facility owners to modify things, right? But if a driver is taking, spending too much time, then the carrier can have a conversation. The fleet manager could have a conversation with the driver to understand what causes that particular driver to spend two hours instead of 45 minutes turn around for the other drivers. Right. What, uh, what, which of your customers have flocked to this the most at first? Has it been the, the, the distribution centers, um, the shippers or the carriers? Have you had, have you seen among your customer base, some companies that have adopted this quicker than others? I think the adoption has been much higher from the carriers themselves because providing this level of insight almost was non existent in the past. So the carriers have benefited the most to be able to see how their own fleet is performing. What do the averages look like? They've started using this to identify within their network, which are those locations where their drivers end up spending a lot more time, which has enabled discussion with the shippers. Shippers have started coming to it right now where they're saying, I want to see how my facility operates. How can I use this information to potentially better staff my warehouse? to turn around these trucks at a much faster pace. Am I having some peaks and valleys where certain downtime I could use for other operations? So carriers much much faster, much quicker, higher interest shippers, we're getting to that stage now. Have you do you have any data yet you can provide? I won't say I won't ask you to provide data. That's a little too granular, I think. But are there any things that you've seen in the data where you thought, oh boy, this this problem is maybe not as bad as I thought, or this problem is ridiculous the amount of time that a lot of drivers are are, uh, are, are staying or getting stuck at some place. So you've any, any perspectives on that? I think what we have noticed is at really busy warehouses, even if it might be a drop-in swap kind of a location, the queuing outside the facility or parking in a separate lot where they have to endure the wait while that facility catches up, that has been pretty insightful. Another thing which came to mind was when we were working with a shipper and showing them one of their facilities, it was a steady 30 to 40 minute turnaround from 10 a.m. onward. And then there was this peak of around three and a half to four hours in the morning between that seven to 10, where every hour you would have a long wait time. And when we were discussing with the shipper, the shipper goes, oh, yes, that's our active loading and unloading of refrigerated freight, which comes in and we actually make them wait till the time we empty. So that was very insightful because it was the same dock that was being used at that facility. But seeing how that variance, because other, in most of the cases, you would have a separate refrigerated dock from a regular dock, and you could identify the difference in the wait times out there. 
But in this single, in this facility, it was the same dock and being able to look at that huge spike in the morning hours and the shipper being able to know what is causing it and being able to identify and say, yes, this is an anomaly, but we should not let it skew the average, even though that spike occurs in the 7 to 10 a.m. time slot. You know, I'm going to play marketing consultant here, if you don't mind. Uh, as I was getting ready for this interview, I thought, you know, you've got so much data and you've got, you're going to have millions and millions of points, uh, lots of observations. I wonder if Trimble wouldn't benefit maybe to promote this product by putting together, let's say, a monthly dwell time index where we can see whether the dwell time is getting worse or getting better. I, I guess it might be hard to kind of get one uh, index with so many different data points. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say that because a lot of data points will help, can, can, uh, will help a, a better, you know, will, will usually lead to a healthier index. Uh, but you think about there might be different types of dwell time indices like, you know, at at, at shippers, at distribution centers, whatever. I just think like you could really give us a number <laughs> like every month that uh, the industry could benefit from and see how much things are getting better or how much things are getting worse. Definitely we have spoken about it. What else can be gained as insights and inform the industry? That is our mission and vision to get to that stage. Right now we're trying to best identify how to segregate that information. Do we do it by market areas to indicate what is the dwell time is the trend higher or is the trend lower in those particular locations or do we do it by type of facility as you were describing warehouses versus actual store locations so and if we have the data at that level it is the best presentation layer that we're going through the journey of saying what index do we really want to publish or is it multiple indices that we publish out yeah so it's always a challenge in the data world you get so much data you just don't know how to pre present it effectively to an audience so that's that's a challenge that you would have, I would imagine. Definitely. And as you are aware as well, uh, putting out an index, you got to make sure it is the right thing and it is giving the right necessary amount of information to the end users who can act on it rather than just publishing something. Well, if you do publish it, we at Freightways will write about it. So uh, let, let me ask, uh, when did this start? So the first data points that came in on it, when did they arrive? The data points we have been aggregating since early 20, late 2021 into early 2022, because we all know all the data points that you had prior to the pandemic were just, were completely thrown away. And we had to start afresh by saying it changed the landscape of freight movement. Everything changed. The wait times changed. The ETAs changed. So we decided to start fresh where we were getting some sort of normalcy coming back in the late 2021 timeframe. And we started using data points from there. And uh, so what's new? I mean, I got a, you put out a press release on this and uh, we're doing this interview now. You've been gathering this data for a while. What what exactly is, is fresh here? What's fresh here is it's the first launch of the data itself. So we put it out in our Engage Lean platform, which is providing transparency between shippers and carriers as they're bidding on contracted freight to know what kind of facilities they're going to, what the turnaround would be. We announced that last year at the FreightWaves event in Chattanooga, which was very well received as well. And now we're trying to integrate this and bring it much more easier, easily accessible to our users. We are integrating it inside our Trimble Fleet Manager, which is the Trimble Transportation Mobility Fleet Management Portal. It is coming integrated into the TMSs, both Trimble as well as non-Trimble through our partnership. And other kinematics providers are making use of the locations as well, so that we make it as broadly available to all the customers who are involved in movement of freight. So that's the step one. Market indices, what he spoke about, is something else that we're trying to investigate on. 
And then as you start thinking about the data element, what's happening inside the facility with this precise polygon geometry, we're working with some of the trailer telematics providers to see what insights we can provide to them and aggregate that information and make another industry useful metric. We want to thank Rishi, May, Rishi Merha. He's the Vice President of Product Vision and Experience at Trimble. He's been here talking about uh, Trimble's new Dwell-type product. It's going to be interesting. I really do hope that there'll be a public index because it's a great number. I think the industry would really latch on to, hey, how, things are getting better, things are getting worse. So hopefully we'll see that down the road. Definitely excited about that, John, and I'm sure you'll hear about it and we'll be in touch with Patriots as well if that index is something that we want to publish as a part of the other indices that Patriots has. Very good. You have been watching Drilling Deep. We are part of the Freightcast family of podcasts from Freightwaves. You can find us on all the leading podcast platforms as well as on Freightwaves TV. I've been your host, John Kingston, and please join us again.